you know, I started praying about this, and after a couple of weeks went by, I didn't really hear anything. I was, like, kind of like crickets, and I'm like, come on, Lord, like, give me a yes or give me a no. Like, do you want me to do this, or, you know, is this not my calling? You know, what do you want me to do? And I didn't really hear anything, but one night in the middle of the night, I kind of woke up, and I couldn't sleep, so I just began to pray, and I said, God, if you want me to speak, you know me. You're going to have to give me a word, and you're going to have to let me put it on paper, or I'm not going to go tell him that I'm going to speak to these people. <laughs> like, I'm not just going to go say yes. I mean, th- that is by faith, yes, but I mean, you know, my flesh was coming out, and I was like, God, I need the word. I need the whole thing. So I began to, like, the next few days, he began to give me thoughts and ideas, and I began to kind of put them down. And so when I went to him, I think he was surprised. He's like, you've been writing this sermon in secret this whole time, you know. And I was just like, no, but, you know, um, last month at women's group, Jenna spoke on how the, the Lord commands us to be strong and courageous. And, you know, I've known not my, all my life, be strong and courageous, don't be afraid, the Lord's with you. But that was really the first time even I've heard that it's a commandment you know, and that we are not, it's not based on our personality. It's not based on, you know, the giftings that we have. It's, it's a commandment. All of us are called to be strong and courageous. And she even reiterated that last week at our women's banquet, if you were there. And, um, she she said, you said at the end, Jenna, you said, put on your crown and do the hard thing. And I know that a lot of women that resonated with you, I had several come up to me and even mention how that spoke to them. And so today, this is me putting on my crown, doing the hard thing. Um, So when I I went to TJ and I said, okay, you know, I feel like I'm leaning towards speaking. And he's like, well, you didn't tell me, so I didn't tell anybody. Like, nobody knows. I could have, like, got the word out. And I'm like, no, don't tell anybody. Like, don't tell anybody because if I back out, I don't want to hear about it. I don't want people to say, Tristan, I was so excited, or I wanted to hear you, or you can do this. You know, I just didn't want to hear about it. So literally, I didn't tell anybody. I didn't even tell my kids. They found out this morning at church. So this is a big surprise to, I think, everybody in the building. I'm a little surprised myself that I even made it up here. But with God, we can do all things, right? So another thing he did tell me was, um, or he asked me, he said, Tristan, do you think you can fill the time? And I told him, I think I can go at least as long as Marcus. (laughs) So, no, we give Marcus a hard time, but he does such a great job. Um, So I was looking online for some fun things to read to you this morning, and um, I ran across these mom confessions. I thought that they were fun, and maybe some of you could relate to the craziness in the day-to-day life of motherhood. So this says, it has been five days since I have done laundry. I suspect it may never make it into the drawers. I dislike party planning, Pinterest crafts, and writing thank you notes. I still plan parties and manage family correspondence because I feel it's my motherly duty, but I resent it. Screen time is a regular part of our routine. I worry it's rotting my children's brains, but I struggle to see how we could function without it. When my daughter is acting crazy, I tell her, stop, we are going to have a serious problem. I have no idea what that means or what I'll do if she doesn't stop, but it works. Fast food chicken nuggets end up making their way onto the menu at least once a week. It's usually on Fridays when I'm tired of cooking, tired of food wars, and just tired, period. 
My husband and I pretend to be asleep when we hear our kids coming up the stairs on Saturday mornings. We start putting their tablets by their beds before they go to bed at night so that when they wake up, it gives us an extra hour of sleep. I actually love when my baby falls asleep in the car. It's an excuse to get a milkshake and fries and play on my phone until he wakes up. I have a three-year-old with a fiery temper. Sometimes when he throws a particularly bad tantrum in the shop, I walk further down the aisle, keeping him in sight, but look on in horror and pretend he's not mine. I threw my own mom tantrum, complete with screaming, stomping, crying, and the works. It was epic and ugly, and afterwards, I apologized profusely. But now, I try to put myself in timeout when anger gets overwhelming. So this morning, I just want you to know that there's no such thing as the perfect mom, okay? But we are all doing the best job we can, and if we love our kids, and we're showing them the way of Christ, we're doing a great job. So happy Mother's Day. Give your neighbor a fist bump and say happy Mother's Day. Even if they're not a mom or if they're a man, it doesn't matter. So my goal this morning is just to encourage you. I know this message is going to have a focus on motherhood. But my goal this morning is really just that all of you leave here knowing that you make a difference. So... The title of my message is going to be The Power of Your Light. The Power of Your Light. My text is going to be in Matthew 5, 14 through 16, although I'll probably jump over to 2 Timothy if you want to put your fingers in both places. Although I'm going to have a lot of scripture, so you might not have enough fingers, so just watch the screen. But Matthew 5, 14 through 16 says, You are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly father. So I've had some amazing women in my life who have poured into me and have really been shining lights of Christ. Um, I have a good relationship with my mom And she's been through a lot. She could write you a book on, it's like a Hallmark movie. But she would stand here and tell you today that Jesus is the only way that she made it through it. Uh, My grandma, she is, she was the most godly woman that, probably that, one of the most godly women that I ever knew. Um, She walked with me through some, you know, pivotal points in my life when TJ and I first got married. She took me grocery shopping and she taught me how to shop the generic brands. What, what do you buy generic and what do you buy name brand, you know, and how do you save money when you're, when you're shopping for a family? And then she came over when my kids were little and I had two babies at home and she'd watch them or she'd help me fold laundry and she'd give me advice. And she was just such a great woman. Um, she, she also was just a woman of prayer, and she, she worked in her church, and she served in the Awanas and taught children until she passed away. You know, I've had a lot of um, pastor's wives in my life, you know, being in ministry who have really encouraged me and mentored me, and they've, you know, just brought me into their homes and made me feel like part of their family. And these have all been really bright lights in my life. Um, I don't, many of you may not know my background, but my mom and dad divorced when I was six, And my dad, me and my brother lived with my dad. And so my dad got remarried to my stepmom when I was almost seven. Um, I consider myself extremely blessed to have been given a stepmother who 
accepted me and my brother. She had four other children, and she just took us in, and she loved us the same as them. My dad and her were really good about just embracing all of us kids. We were known as the Brady Bunch in, in town, and um, we were just really blessed. You know, I, I remember my mom, and I call her mom because she's been in my life every day since I was six, so it seems weird for me to even say stepmom. So when I say mom, I really have two moms, and I'm going to talk to you today about my stepmom. So my stepmom, every morning when I would get up and I would be, like, just walking around the house getting ready for church or school or whatever, she was always sitting in her recliner, and she had her Bible out, and she had her devotional book there, and she did her morning devotions every single day. Like, there's really not many days that I remember that she wasn't doing that. Even now when we go visit her and my dad, they both get out their Bibles and their devotions and they sit on the couch and they do that every single morning. Um, you know, also, when, my, um, when, my, when we were little, my parents, I guess they decided that, you know, maybe it's something they heard at church, I don't know. But they needed to um, teach us to start our mornings with prayer, which I'm for, so don't get me wrong. But they would call us all into the living room and we would kneel at the couches, and we would begin to pray for about a minute until we would start snoring, right? We're little. We're like 6 to 10, you know? And so I think they realized very quickly, like, this is probably not the best approach to get my kids to pray. So they quickly resorted to we would all file in the living room, and we would stand in a big circle. We would hold hands, and we would pray over our day. So we would start the day that way before my dad would go to work, and, my, and we would go to school. And each of us would lead a day of prayer, and we would just pray for blessings. So my parents drug us to church every time the doors were open. We would file in a long line, and we would go into our pew, and we would color or whatever. It was Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. It was just we were always there. And my parents were great examples about how to shine the light of Jesus in my house. So I saw it my whole life. But my mom has walked through some really, really tough times in her life, and If anybody has an excuse to turn away from the Lord or to be angry at the Lord, it was my mom. You see, my mom's first husband was killed in a tragic vehicle accident and left her a widow with four children, ages 8, 6, 4, and 2, when she was only 27 years old. I watched her, after my dad and her married, go through the loss of her dad after he died of cancer. And then her sister, several years later, died of stomach cancer. Um, next, it was my nephew, who's, or not my nephew, her nephew, which is my cousin, who was tragically killed in a vehicle accident as a teenager when he was driving and he hit black ice while he was working. Then it was her great niece, who died at the age of four from a brain complication at birth. We walked through the loss of my sister at age 32. She had pancreatic cancer. And now she is walking through the difficult journey of taking care of her mom, who has dementia. And so through all of these difficult circumstances that life brings, this is not even the day-to-day struggles that we go through, I've watched my mom remain steady. She's steady in her faith. She attends church faithfully. She prays for her family. She's in her word all the time. She works for an organization called Youth for Christ, and and she leads the teen moms who have babies and also works with couples who are trying to get their life on track. She has taken in many young mothers and mentored them, bringing in the moms and the babies into our home and just showing them that people love them. 
even right now, she's actually in Uganda on a missions trip, which she's done for the past 10 years, and she does it for two weeks every summer. And then after that, she's going to Europe, and so she'll be gone for a month and a half on a missions trip. She's a rock. She's, she's just a great example of the light of Jesus. And this morning, I tell you that story, and this, the story is about the women who have just poured into me because I want you to know that the work that you do as a mom is extremely important. And that it doesn't matter if you're raising little kids, if you're raising teenagers, if your kids are out of your house. It doesn't matter if you're a birth mother, a stepmother, a godmother, a foster mother. It doesn't matter if you're an aunt, a spiritual mother, or even a mentor. So if you have taken on the responsibility to pour into the life of a young lady or a young man, then what you do is important in the eyes of God. And I want you to know that you're making an impact. Even if you don't see it right now, you'll see it someday. So I want to look at the, what the Bible says about a couple of women who are women of faith. So we're going to go to 2 Timothy chapter 1, and we're going to read verses 3 through 4. But in the book of Timothy, the apostle Paul who we all know very well for his faith, and he actually wrote a lot of the New Testament, he's writing to Timothy, who is a young pastor. And he considers Timothy like a son. In chapter, or in verse 2, which is not on the screen, but it says, I am writing to Timothy, my dear son. So Timothy wasn't Paul's biological son, but he was somebody that, you know, Paul considered like a son. They were very close, and he mentored him. Um, and so in verse 3, I'm going to read the mid-3 mid through 5, it says, Night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. I long to see you again, for I remember your tears as we parted, and I will be filled with joy when we are together again. I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I know that that same faith continues strong in you. So that we can see... In verses 3 through 4, Paul's, you know, how much he cares for Timothy. Um, He's constantly praying for him. You know that there was some kind of, like, connection because there was tears when they parted the last time. But I think it's amazing that the Apostle Paul, whom we all know, well, we may not all know, but most of us know, as being so full of faith, thought it worth mentioning in Scripture about Timothy's faith right? So he must have had a faith that was worth admiring because someone we know is so strong in their faith admired his. But he doesn't just stop there. He goes on to say, you got that faith from your grandmother and your mother, okay? So we don't know a lot about Eunice or Lois other than this scripture, but we definitely know from this scripture that they were strong in their faith and that they made an impact on Timothy, if we jump to Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 3, we can read in verses 14 and 15, Paul tells Timothy this. He says, But you must remain faithful to the things that you have been taught. You know that they are true, for you know that you can trust those who taught you. You have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes from trusting in Christ Jesus. So mothers can be a powerful source in our life. Grandmothers can be a powerful source in our life. But we have to recognize the power that we have to enable our children to know Jesus. Okay? 
you are likely the first reflection of Jesus that your children will ever see. And so the incredible faith that Timothy had and that Paul so admired about him, he got from the women in his life. Now, I'm not discounting what dads do, okay? I know that that's super important as well. But this morning, we're just focusing on the moms. So moms, we we play a vital role in our children's faith. They look to us from a young age, really through every age and stage of their lives. They look to us for guidance and encouragement, for care. Like what we teach them really shapes who they are and and the beliefs that they'll have throughout their life. In Proverbs 22.6, it says, direct your children onto the right path, and when they're older, they will not leave it. Now, we all have a choice, and we cannot control if our children choose the path of Christ or they choose a different path. But we have, like, a huge impact on their chosen path. So you have to give your children a firm foundation in the Lord so that they have something to lean on and something to cling to when this world doesn't work the way that they think it's going to. Um, mothering is not about success. It's, it's about faithfulness. We have to be faithful to share love with our kids, share truth with our children, and seek God's wisdom for our families. There couldn't be anything more significant than to pass on the legacy of your faith. And that goes for any, to anybody, really. Um, and this is what we should live for as moms, as believers in Christ, God uses us so that people can see him. So my first point is you are God's light. So all of us have the opportunity to shine the light of Christ to our families, to our coworkers, to the lost. And it's our responsibility to make sure that our children have a clear understanding of what their purpose is and that they're focused on eternal things. Okay, that's the big thing, not focused on the things of this world. The goal is not success. It's not money. The goal is not marriage. The goal is not status in this life. So let me ask you a couple questions. Do your children understand the purpose behind their faith? Like, do they know why you believe what you believe? Do your children know what it looks like to live a godly life? Have you walked it out? Have they seen your example? In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus goes up on the mountainside, and he begins to teach his disciples, and he begins to tell them all the things that they can do to live a godly life. You may know this as the Beatitudes in in Matthew, um, if you've been in church, and he begins to just instruct them. And Jesus is the best example. So that's the example that we have to follow. We have to teach our children how to live a godly life as well. Jesus tells them how to live right. He gives them instructions like, Blessed are the humble, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. But then he goes on and he says in verse 10, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Have you ever thought about, like, how you would feel if you're sitting there listening to Jesus talk about all the good things that are going to come to you, all the blessings you're going to have from living a godly life? And then he's like, blessed are the persecuted. I would probably be like, whoa, wait. Like, say that again. Like, did, 
is, do I want to sign up for this? You know, Q&A session with the Lord. Like, I just, you know, you have to kind of think like, wow, that's, you know, that's different. But then he goes on in verse 12 and he says, be happy about it. Be very glad. So why would Jesus tell us to be happy about it? Who's happy about being persecuted? We look back at verse 11 and he says, God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you, say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. Be happy about it. Be very glad for your great reward awaits you in heaven. So we're to be happy because one, God blesses us. And two, a great reward awaits us in heaven. Philippians 3.14, Paul says, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. So this is the goal. The goal is to live a godly life, even in the face of persecution, knowing that we can be glad because our reward is coming. So a couple more questions as parents that we can kind of think about. Do our children understand that heaven is the goal? Are they more focused on worldly accolades? Do they realize that when they live this life of faith, even in the face of persecution, that they get heaven? That's their reward. I saw a quote last week. I put it on my Instagram if you follow me. It says, if your kids make all A's, go to college, buy a house, but never meet Jesus, it's all worthless. And that's true. It's so true. Because as I said before, the goal is not success. The goal is not money. The goal is it, it doesn't matter how big your house is or what car you drive or what job you have. Knowing Jesus is the absolute most important thing that you could ever do in this life. It's the greatest thing you could ever teach anyone else in this life. So don't get me wrong. All those things that I just said are, are really important things. God loves it when you're blessed. God wants you to live an abundant life. So don't feel bad if you have a nice car or a nice house or a good job. Like, those are all blessings from the Lord. But we have to focus on what really matters. Keep the main thing the main thing, right? So if we jump back to our text in Matthew 5, 14, Jesus says, You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. I love the scripture. The older I get, I love it more and more. And so it's our job to show our children that with Jesus, they are the light of the world. As believers, it's our job to show the lost that there's something different about us, and that's the light that's inside of us. So my second point this morning is there is a purpose for your light. Let's talk about the purpose of light for a minute. What does it do? Light makes things visible, right? Basically, we can see. It dispels darkness. That just means it drives out darkness. It shows you where you need to go. Which way do I need to walk? Light allows you to see another object. So I can see all your beautiful faces this morning because of the lights in this room. We don't ever stare straight at a light. Like, we don't turn it on in our house and then, oh, wow, that's a beautiful light. No, you turn it on so that it can illuminate everything else in the room, right? So our purpose as Christ's light is to live our lives in such a way that people see us and then we give glory to our Heavenly Father. We want them to say, wow, there's something different about you. What is that? And you can say, that's because I have Jesus. 
Or why are you so happy all the time? It's because I know Jesus, you know. That's what the purpose of our light is. And our job as mothers or as fathers or as believers is to let our light shine and reflect and illuminate Jesus. As pastor always says, we want to make Jesus famous. So I want you to think about light. Do you really know how important light is? God kind of showed me a little glimpse, I guess you could say, the other day when I was in my kitchen. And I was just looking outside, and it was a bright, sunny day. And he gave me this thought on, like, do you know how important light is? And I kind of just closed my eyes and just, like, envisioned myself walking through a day in my life and trying to navigate without light. And, I mean, literally, I don't think that we even comprehend all of the things that would be difficult without it. There would be no sun because the sun is our main source of light, right? So we probably have no heat. There would be no stars to light up the night. The moon isn't going to give you any light since it's a reflection off of the sun. We're not going to have fire, which also would be a way for us to stay warm or maybe to cook with or light candles with. It would be impossible for us to drive anywhere or walk anywhere without running into walls and people, right? We wouldn't have our normal lights, which are from electricity, that cause us to be able to see what we're doing. So basically, we couldn't live or function without light. There would be no life. Like, you, can you think of a plant? I mean, there might be some little tiny weird things that grow in caves and stuff, you know, that don't have light. I don't know anything about them, so for the sake of my message, nothing grows without light, okay? <laughs> but when Jesus says that you are the light of the world, he's also expressing the important role that we play. Like, that's amazing if you really think about how important light is, and then Jesus calls us the light of the world. So without us shining the light, which is Jesus in us, the world has no hope, and the world has no life. Like, that's, that's good. So let's talk about a couple different, like, types of light. So the first one is decorative light, right? What is decorative light? Decorative light is light that's mostly for looks. It's probably like a little lamp that you set behind your couch that you may never turn on, but it fills space and it looks pretty, right? Maybe you turn it on, but it just gives a little glow. It's, it's, it's just to look good. So there may be some people in here this morning. Don't nudge your neighbor. Don't elbow your spouse. But you're mostly a decorative light. You look good on the outside, and you say all the right things. You put on a good show. But when it comes down to the reality of your life, it's a mess. You're bitter, maybe rebellious. You don't love people. You don't have any compassion. You're angry and jealous. That's a decorative light. You look good, but you're not illuminating anything around you. You may even add a little glow to yourself, or maybe your friends, it might kind of pass off to them. But when it comes down to being the light of the world, you make no impact. Your light's not bright enough. Some examples may be maybe you come to church and you lay hands on people and you pray for people, and that's great. But then when you leave this week and you call somebody and you start gossiping about what he said and what she said, and, oh, they have, they're having marriage problems, and can you believe that the pastor said that in his message on Sunday? 
Or maybe you just like post all these scriptures on Facebook, but you don't read your Bible. Maybe you come to the men's groups and the women's groups and people think, oh, they're so involved. But then on Fridays, you're going out with your friends to the party. That's a decorative light. And decorative light has no purpose in the kingdom of God. Jesus has called us to be a different type of light. He has called us to be an illuminating light. So an illuminating light is light that serves a purpose. It's necessary light. It's so we can see what we're doing, we can see where we're going, and it helps us do a particular activity. The lights up here, I would say, are probably illuminating lights. If we turned all these lights off in this room right now, it would be tough to get out of here. We might have the glow of some computers or some exit lights, but it's still going to be a lot harder to navigate around, right? So, moms, you have a light, and you have a responsibility to shine that light to your families, especially your children, Church, you have a light, and you have a responsibility to shine your light to everybody that you see. You need to let your children see you stand up for what's right. And you need to let your coworkers see you stand up for what you believe in. You have to lead by example so that they can know what Jesus' light is supposed to look like. Not what the world says it's supposed to look like. As a mom, our job is to be the light in our home. And teach our children right from wrong. I don't know if you know, but we're living in a generation that has no respect for God or godly principles. But there's power in our light. Our light has the power to transform our families. Our light has the power to transform our workplaces, our schools, our communities. But we have to understand the purpose behind our light. And that purpose is that people can see what they could not see without your presence. So my last point this morning is shine your light. Matthew 5, 15 through 16. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. So Jesus tells us not to hide our light, right? Have you ever been to Walmart? Funny question, right? (laughs) Anybody not been to Walmart? (laughs) Or I mean, even any parking lot that has those real big lights, we have them out here in our parking lot, and they're really bright. They light up the whole parking lot. And what do you see around them when you see those lights? You see bugs, right? Thousands of bugs. It is disgusting. But these bugs are attracted to the light. They don't don't know why they're attracted to the light. They just can't help themselves. They're just like drawn and they just are everywhere, right? And that's the same with us. You know, when we're shining Christ's light, we're going to attract people. And those people may not like us. They may not understand why they don't like us. But they may persecute you just because they don't understand. But you know what's awesome? Even though those lights are full of bugs, they still serve their purpose. Their light still shines. The parking lot is still visible. And it's the same with us. 
Even in the face of persecution, our light will serve its purpose. So we can't be afraid of what's to come or what the world says or what the world does because our light, God's light, will still do what he wants it to do. So our purpose and our challenge as parents is that we can't be afraid when we teach our children right and wrong. We can't be afraid when the world persecutes us because maybe they don't understand why we teach our kids biblical principles because our children need to see Jesus. Our employers need to see our good deeds. Our friends need to see our good deeds. And in Matthew 5, verse 16, Jesus says the words good deeds. Okay, It says, in the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. So the context here of good deeds is not, it's not about what you do. It's not about feeding the homeless or going on missions or serving in a ministry at church. The context that Jesus is talking about when he says good deeds is moral excellence, okay? So it's about moral living. How do you conduct your life? And it's so that they can see your good deeds or they can see your moral life And glorify the Father in heaven. Our prayer for our children should be that they grow up to glorify God. And that they exude the fruits of the Spirit. Right? We are so worried about our kids. We worry, are they being a good example? Are are we too hard on them? Are we spending enough time with them? Do they know we love them? Do they understand why we have rules? Will they grow up to be independent? Are they learning enough? Are they on their screens too much? Are they happy enough? Are they healthy enough? And on and on, right? And those things are important. Don't get me wrong. Those things are really important. But ultimately, the most important thing that we can instill into our children is that they grow up to know Jesus as their personal Savior, that they know how to glorify God, that they have their own relationship with him, and that they learn how to love and serve God's people, right? So we have to get on our knees and we have to ask their creator to show us how to love each of them individually. I know that my kids are all different. I have one son who hates hugs from me. (laughs) I should make him come up here and make him. He told me, Mom, don't call me up there. (laughs) But if any time I hug him, he's like, Mom, 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 Mom. And then I have a daughter who every once in a while, she'll just come lay her head on me, and I know she just needs a hug. And then my youngest, he's 10, so he still climbs up on top of me And lets me kiss and hug him every night and pray with him. So they're all different. It's kind of like the five love languages. I don't know if you've ever heard of that book. But all of our children have a love language that God gave them. And so he knows how we can best love them to show them how Jesus loves them. And I don't know if you, you know, if you know this or not, but your children are not yours. They belong to God, and they're his creation. You see, he entrusts them to us to partner with him to raise them and teach them how to love him, how to serve him, and how to be his light. It's not about success. 
Obedience to God's word and teaching our children through our words and actions is the standard that God has called us to. And that's good, so I'm going to read it again. Obedience to God's word and teaching our children through our words and actions, that's the standard that God has called us to. We have to answer to him for what we teach them. We can't act like the world and then pray and expect our kids to live like Christ. So as you know, and my husband mentioned, I am not comfortable in this place, right? I'm doing all right right now. But I want my children to know that when I quote Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. That's not just words that come out of my mouth. And that's not just a scripture that I quote to them when they're having a bad day. But I stand on it. I stand on that word myself. And they can watch me do it. I have this sign in my kitchen. It says, you can do hard things. And that's such a great reminder to me that I have everything I need inside of me to do everything God has called me to do. It doesn't matter how hard it is. And you have that too. So it's about living what we teach. Practice what you preach, right? We have to let our children see that what the word of God says is truth. Philippians 2, 12 through 16 says, Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you. And now that I am away... It is even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Hold firmly to the word of life. Then on the day of Christ's return, I will be proud that I did not run the race in vain and that my work was not useless. So when we feel unsure about whether or not what we're teaching our kids or what we're doing, all the work is making a difference, we can pick up this word and we can get encouraged and we can know that we are doing good in the role that God's given us and that we we don't have to complain about it. And basically, God's promising us that as we shine our lights into this world, and that includes our children, that we will someday know that our labor was not useless. And I am not an expert in parenting. I am still learning. And TJ and I laugh all the time about how, you know, we thought our parents had it all together. We thought they knew everything when we were growing up. I mean, you you do until you're a teenager, then you think they know nothing. But basically, you kind of think they have an idea of what they're doing, right? And then one day, you become parents, and you realize, my parents had no clue. They were just learning as they go, right? So I'm still amazed that the Lord has even allowed us to raise one child, my daughter, from birth to 18 years old. Praise God. You know, we did one, you know? (laughs) But I'm going to give you the best advice that I have on how to make sure you are being the best example that you can be for your children, and that is to abide in Christ. If you abide in Christ, then the Bible says you will produce fruit. 
John 15, 5 says, Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So if you don't know what fruit we're talking about, it's the fruit of the Spirit. And those are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. But what's really cool is it doesn't say you might produce fruit. It doesn't say you could produce fruit. It says you will. You will produce fruit, not just fruit, but much fruit. So how do we remain in Christ? Let's apply this. First, we get into our word. We read the word to our children. We pray. We pray with our children. We pray in front of our children. We serve others. Let them serve with you. We faithfully attend church, and we drag them behind us. We love on the unlovable, and we show them how to do that. We give of our time, our talents, and our treasures to the kingdom. And it's important that we know what the word of God says. It's important that we learn this word and that we obey this word and that we teach it to our children. It's important that we don't pick and choose what we pick out of this book to teach our children. So if you're abiding in Christ, mom, this is what your, your kids are going to see. They're going to see a mom who is loving, who is joyful, who has peace who is patient, who is kind, who is good, is faithful, who is gentle, and has self-control. Sounds pretty much like someone who's perfect, right? A little bit hard to kind of think, yeah, I'll, I'll do that, right? But thankfully, we are all a work in progress. And that this is the goal, that we abide in Christ and that we become more like him. So God has called us years for the kingdom of God. Our children were created for this day and for this time, and they have to know the truth of God's word because the world is teaching them something that's a lie. It is not the truth. And we live in a culture that elevates people's stories, people's feelings, people's preferences and experiences above scriptural truth. Our children see videos, they hear stories, they meet people every day who create their own principles of sexuality, and we're supposed to accept it as normal. Church, our children have to be taught that sin is sin. We have an almighty God that we are accountable to. They have to know that God created men and women, and these roles reflect aspects of God's character, and that he knows what he's doing. They have to understand why we uphold standards of purity and integrity, and they need to see us, parents, purposefully centering our life around obedience to God's standards, not the world's. Our children are called to be leaders. Teenagers, you are called to be leaders. They are called to be God's light. And our job is to point them to the one who gave them life, and who already knows the plans that he has for them. So there is power in your light. And I'm going to end with this short little story. But living in Indiana, you know that we have storms, right? And many times when there's a big storm, our power goes out. 
And it doesn't matter how many times the powers went out, how many times we've been in this situation before, every time the power goes out, my 10-year-old son, Novak, I hear him scream, Mom! And he has that panicked sound in his voice, and he will continue to panic and say my name until either I get to him or until he finds me, right? Most of the time, I have my phone beside me, like all of us, and I'll just turn on my flashlight. Sorry, I hope I'm not blinding any of you. And I will point my flashlight in the direction that Novak is, and I'll say, Novak, I'm in here. And what do you think he does? He follows the light. He comes towards the light, right? So as moms, that's all we have to do. All we have to do is shine the light of Jesus so that our kids can see it and they know which way to go. It's the same for believers. That's all you have to do. Shine the light of Jesus so that others see it and they want to follow it. In John 8, 12, Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. So this morning I want to ask you, what type of light are you shining? Are you a decorative light? Do you shine your light to draw attention to yourself? Or are you an illuminating light and you point people to Jesus? I just want to pray over you this morning. So if you'll just bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for the opportunity to stand in this place behind your pulpit and speak to your people. God, I don't take it for granted. I am humbled, Father, that you would use somebody like me. Lord, I pray, God, for everybody in this building today. I ask, God, that you would just give us an illuminating light, Father. A light that reaches, God, our community and our city, Father. A light that reaches everywhere we walk and everywhere we go, Lord. And most importantly, Father, let that light so shine from within us, God, that our children grow and see your light. God, where we fall short, I ask that you would make up the difference. Father, with you, all things are possible. We haven't went too far. It's never too late. So I pray, God, that your light would just fill us. God, let us walk in that light every day and everywhere we go. We love you this morning, and we just praise your name. In Jesus' name, amen.